Wow. That, that's all I can say is wow. Scoot Henderson versus Victor Wimbayama lived up to all the hype. I am reporting to you live from Las Vegas. I will give you my thoughts about this crazy exhibition game that felt kind of like a regular season game between the two top prospects in the 2023 NBA draft. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. I had great, great seats for this showcase tonight. And I'm just like, I'm still in awe of, of what we saw. But shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I know I really appreciate it. And shout out to each and every person that has subscribed to the NBA Big Board newsletter. It means so much to me. It has been very helpful in allowing me to move around and travel. And it basically paid for my trip to Paris last week where I was able to watch Victor Wimbayama play twice. And um, I did a couple podcasts on that performance. And during my long flight, from Paris back to the States, I had plenty of time to think about this this matchup between Victor Wimbayama and Scoot Henderson. And I'll be honest, I had high expectations. And then, of course, like my mind would go back and forth saying, you know what, a lot of times things don't live up to the expectations. Things don't live up to the hype. I thought about different scenarios of, okay, what if Vic gets in foul trouble? Or what if, you know, Scoot struggles? Um, you know, what, what, is, what is shooting? What I mean, just so many what ifs. What if, you know, the team from France, they're jet lagged because they literally just played in France on Friday night. They got to, to Vegas on, I, I would probably say, like a Saturday evening. And they just only had maybe 48 hours to adjust. I know some of the guys are young, and when, you, when you're young, you can bounce back. But I had so many different scenarios in my head of what could possibly happen, and none of that happened. Again, I had high expectations. But yeah, I, I never saw a scenario where Victor would score 37 and Scoot would score 28. I mean, they put on an absolute show in front of hundreds of NBA scouts and, and personnel. I, I I was told that expect at least five different representatives from every team to be at this event because not only is it Scoot versus, versus Vic, you still have multiple NBA draft prospects on the Ignite team. Then you have you know a guy like Hugo Besson who was drafted this past June who was the draft and stash guy. But overall, I know everybody that made the trip to Las Vegas felt like it was worth it after tonight's performance. And what's crazy is we still have one more. And, you know, it makes me wonder, can it live up to the hype? Because, I mean, this game exceeded all expectations. And I'll just give you a breakdown. If you missed it, it was on ESPN. And, like, the first couple plays of the game, you saw, like, Wimbayama isolate 
and score, uh, attack the rim. You saw Scoot hit a pull-up jumper. Then you saw Wimbayama with a big block. And then it's like they traded back and forth. And I ended up sitting like right behind the, the commentator. So I, I got like a gazillion messages in my phone of screenshots showing me. And if you look, I got on the same, the same fit that I had on during the game. And then like the second quarter, Scoot took over. So I'm, I'm like trying to watch the game. And I'll be honest. I'll be totally honest. I stopped evaluating this game from a scout's perspective. I turned into watching it as a fan. And I, luckily, I know I can go back and watch the film. And, I mean, this was an exhibition game. And I, I don't think that regardless of what happened, it was going to sway myself and others on, you know, the, the top two picks in this draft. But overall, I just felt like I just need to sit back and enjoy this game. I've been watching film. I have a project that I, I'll, I'll get to. Maybe on, a, on another day. I've been watching a ridiculous amount of film. I have this goal of watching five prospects per day between now and the start of college basketball season. And so for me, this was just an opportunity to just sit back as a fan and enjoy these two prospects. And in the second quarter, I mean, Scoot dominated. I mean, he showed a much improve shooting stroke well I mean the stroke was already there but he just showed that he's put in the time he's worked on his jumper he knocked down three pointers and one of the things I love about Scoot and I talked about it with different people after the game and even during the game is you we don't we don't normally see guys at with his at his age with his athleticism and this burst and the speed and all the physical tools that he has but we don't usually see guys play this under control with this much poise and, and this pace usually when guys are great athletes they have one speed like it's just an aggressive downhill speed but he just plays at like this pace where you can't speed him up I mean he's aggressive he's confident I mean strong he looked a lot stronger than he did last year. This is my first time seeing him in person, other than like summer league, but he wasn't playing. But just seeing him in person, you can just see how his body is developed. And, and I mean, I just think that whoever wins the lottery this year and whoever finishes second, you have two lottery winners. You have two guys that I think will be ready to come in and basically change the fortunes of your franchise. And, at halftime, Scoot was, you know, based on what I was seeing on Twitter, Scoot was the number one pick by people at halftime because I think he had like 18 points. I mean, he just showed like a different level of maturity and, and confidence. And it got to the point where I felt like, man, did Victor make a mistake by making the comment? And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he made a comment like, you know, in any other year, He'd be the number one pick, but this is my year. Something something along those lines. And at halftime, it was 71 to 52. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, we saw flashes of Wimbayama, but we saw brilliance from Scoot. And now the team is the igniter up by 20. Are we going to see Wimbayama shut down? I mean, if they're down by 30, if it ends up being like a 10-0 run to start the quarter down by 30, what is the the purpose of playing 
Wimbayama in this exhibition game, knowing that you have another game coming up on Thursday. And if I'm not mistaken, the Metropolitans have a game on the 8th. So it's like, you know what, do, do you save them? But then on the other hand, I'm thinking like, they came this far. They came all the way to the United States. Like they, they have something that they want to show. And in the second half, Wimbayama showed why people are calling him a generational talent. Now, I, I knew that Vic could shoot, and um, I'm good friends with, with his trainer. And, I mean, he told me about the, the strides in the shooting. And I've watched a couple games live, but seven threes, wasn't expecting that. Wasn't expecting that. All right, when we return, I'll give you a little bit of my, my thoughts on the, the second half of the game and, and what kind of shocked me and maybe some little, little areas of concern. Not, not very many, but I give you my thoughts on that. And then after the game, I was able to talk to the families and scouts and just kind of hear the chatter going around. And I'll give you a little bit of insight of what was going on behind the scenes at the Dollar Loan Center. All right, let me tell you about prize picks. Like, for example, the Lakers are playing the Phoenix Suns later on today. And I'm taking LeBron James to score more than 10 points and Chris Paul to have more than three assists while Devin Booker has 15 points and Anthony Davis plays less than 20 minutes. And that's what makes prize picks so great. You can pick two to five players, and if they go score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, which is including NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, NASCAR, I mean, so on. Tennis, boxing, Eurobasket, cricket, and more. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. It is safe, and they offer fast withdrawal. So it's currently operation, operational in over 30 states and in Canada. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize picks will give you 50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on at the sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. All right, shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. But make sure you check out the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview, which starts October 10th. It is a six-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NBA season. The local team experts and the NBA insiders of the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey all combining into one ultimate NBA preview starting October 10th. If you search for the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast, you will find this great collection of minds talking about the 2022-23 NBA season. All right, let's get right back into this performance between Victor Wimbayama and Scoot Henderson. Now, Wimbayama has had 
multiple 30-point games in the preseason. He had a 23-point game opening night. Then he had a 10-point game where he was in foul trouble and a 19-point game. I did not see him scoring 37 points. Now, one of the things that I was able to pick up after the game, just talking to you know different people that were connected to, to both teams, was that the, the, the Metropolitans struggled early in the game with the adjustment to the NBA rules, the NBA pace, the NBA um, speed, and, and, and so on, which they felt like played a major role in them you know, struggling in the first half, getting down by nearly 20 points. And then the second half, they made some adjustments, and that's when I'd say, like, the real Victor Wimbayama show began because in the beginning I felt like it was a duel and I'm like, wow, we get to watch this. Then the second quarter was all Scoot. And again, Scoot was phenomenal in the second quarter. Then the third quarter was Wimbayama. And I, I was able to sit next to two of the best at what they do in the, in this basketball world. I sat next to John Hollinger was on my left. And then Kristen peak from Yahoo was on my right. And we were just looking at each other like, Wow. I mean, like, we are really getting a chance to watch this. And if you, like, love the NBA draft, you love scouting, this is like your dream performance. And what stood out to me in the second half was I felt that Wimbayama was more focused on scoring and knocking down. uh, I mean, he was knocking down threes. He made seven of them. He was more focused on scoring. But in my opinion, I thought Scoot was more focused on distributing because he got off to such a hot start. And then the second half, that's when he showed the playmaking. And there was a couple plays where he was able to locate Wimbayama. I mean, Vic is, I mean, he has an eight-foot wingspan. So, I mean, he's a presence that you, you know, you got you to gotta find where he's at in the court. But Scoot was able to find and locate Wimbayama and... And it's like attack him and create scoring opportunities for others. But he always knew where he was. Always knew he was at, at every opportunity. There were a couple of times where I felt like they he tried to get to the, the one-on-one matchup a little bit. And Victor ended up getting a couple of blocks. I think Vic blocked a, blocked the dunk. I think he may have had three blocks on, on Scoot, if I'm not mistaken. I know he did block a jumper in the second half, like a, a, a corner three. I know one at the rim, and I think in the first half he was able to block one. But Scoot also made a couple pull-up jumpers over him. So, I mean, it was like this, I keep saying, like this amazing duel that you normally would not see between a point guard and a a center. And so, um, I mean, Vic was able to pile up points because he got fouled shooting threes a couple times, which I, I thought was very, very interesting <laughs> that um, he was fouling a three-point shooter. But overall, like I said, I mean, a great performance. If I had to give Wimbenyama a grade, I'd give him an A. I think that he can. He, he could have been a little bit more active on the boards. If I had to give Scoot a grade, I'd give him. I'd give him an A plus, honestly, because I, I I don't think that he left you with with the thought that he has holes in his game. He knocked down threes. He he made the right reads. He got to the basket at will. I mean, it was it was again a performance for the ages. And I just give you the this the stats right here. 
Scoot played 31 minutes, was 11 of 21 from the floor, 2 of 3 from the three-point line, 4 of 6 from the free-throw line, had 9 assists and only 2 turnovers, had 2 steals, and he finished with 28 points. Wimbayama played 32 minutes, 11 of 20 from the floor, 7 of 11 from 3, 8 of 12 from the foul line. He only finished with 4 rebounds. He didn't have any assists, which is kind of shocking because he's been passing the ball so well. He had one steal, five blocks, five fouls, but he was also negative five on the floor. Now, the thing that I I thought was the most impressive about Scoot's game was, like I said, he didn't really show any flaws. I mean, we knew that he was a great athlete. We knew that he could shoot the pull-up jumper, but he showed confidence in the three ball. But it was the passing that was the most impressive to me in the second half. And he made plays down the stretch that – helped his team get the victory because the the Metropolitans made a strong, strong comeback in the third and early in the fourth quarter. It ended up, ended up being a game, which was, was something that a lot of people were, at least in, in the area where I was sitting at, were concerned about during the around halftime simply because it was like 71 to 52 or something like that. So, again, I'd give, I'd give Victor an A. Even though he had 37 points and five blocks, and I read a, a stat that it's only been a handful of games in NBA history where somebody knocked down seven threes and had five blocks. I'm nitpicking here, but I would say it was just the fact that he only had four rebounds in, in 32 minutes. An- another thing that kind of stood out to me, despite the fact that he had 37 points, was I felt that the Metropolitans missed him on so many opportunities. They were not able to get him the ball as a role man. And I know a lot of it had to do with with uh, the Ignite's defense, but I think that's an area of his game that we may see a lot more of or or we may see him get more points as the role man in the NBA. One of the reasons the spacing should be a little bit better, but also, and this is not a knock on uh, Tremont Waters, who had a really good game, but by him being undersized, I mean, he's probably, I mean, five nine five ten maybe he was he's not able to make certain reads out of the pick and roll especially when they're hedging and trapping while I thought if if Hugo Besson played a little bit more at the point he may have been able to to make some reads and pass over the top and and get Vic the ball in as the role man and despite the fact that he got very few touches as the role man he adjusted and played the outside game took 11 threes which if you would have asked me before the game if Vic takes 11 threes, I would have been like, okay, that means he's settling. But he made seven of them. <laughs> but, again, I'm just nitpicking here. Four rebounds in 32 minutes for someone at that size and that athleticism. I just I thought he could have did a little bit better on the boards. But I'm giving Scooter A+. I don't think there's anything that he could have done better in this game. He got the W. He got nine assists. He didn't turn the ball over. I mean, he did get a few shots blocked. And I, I think there, was, there are a few possessions with both guys where they kind of got caught up in, in, in the hype. I love the fact that, you know, like when Scoot made a jumper over Vic, he kind of stared the, the Metropolitan's bench down. Um, Vic got a couple blocks, and he kind of let Scoot know. And it's like they've created this friendly – I mean, I, I think it's friendly, but this rivalry where both are – Basically letting the world know that I am the best player. I can't wait for Thursday. I cannot wait for Thursday, even though it has, it's going to be tough to live up to the hype. All right, 
when we return i'll tell you a little bit of the intel that i heard going on behind the scenes all right once again you are listening to the locked on nba big board podcast this is rafael barlow it is 12 14 a.m and i am recording this episode a few hours after what to me was the best exhibition game that i've experienced and i'm hoping that this is something that we can see more often. I don't know how many years we're going to have like the two top picks that are playing outside of the NBA that can play in these type of showcases. But I think like going forward, and I saw this tweet from Justin Anderson, that it would be pretty cool if the G League Ignite were able to scrimmage, or not scrimmage, play preseason games against NBA teams. That would be something that, I mean, we've well, it would be something that we've seen before. Like, I remember Luka Doncic played against Oklahoma City Thunder. He's probably like 15 years old. So we've seen it before. But giving some of the younger prospects an opportunity to play against NBA teams, I think, would, would be phenomenal. All right, so after the game was over, funny story here. This is this is a funny story. So I was in Paris last week. I've mentioned that before. And I had great seats. I sat courtside one game. And I sat by Victor Wimbanyama's parents. Um, didn't really speak to them, you know, just kind of, you know, give them a head nod or whatever. So after the game today, um, his mom introduces herself to me and I I tell her my name and I'm kind of shocked that she knows my name. And then his dad tells me a story of how, um, he said that last year in Paris, so I, I actually, I'll give you this backstory. So last year on November 6th, I got married. Me and my wife got married in Paris. And I told her, hey, there's this kid. I think he's a generational talent. And he plays tonight here in town. I'm going to go scout a game and then you want to come back. No, I said I told her I wanted to go scout a game. And then there was like a, a big break because like the under 21 game started like 530. And then the senior team plays at like 8, 8 or 830 p.m., which is kind of crazy to me. So my wife agreed. I mean, shout out to my wife. I got a great wife who went to go watch basketball with me on our wedding night. And so I convinced her that Victor Wimbayama was like this can't miss prospect. And um, so we, we go to the game and I think he played like 14 minutes. He had probably two fouls in like the first three minutes. It was just, I mean, it was a great day for me. And uh, my wife was kind of wondering, like, this this guy? I mean, he, she was like, he's so skinny, and and he didn't – I mean, he had a few positive moments, but he was mostly in foul trouble. So so anyway, uh, that was, like, a little, a little more than a year ago. So today I meet Victor's dad, and he says, I I got a funny story. Like, okay. He says, I, just, I was on Twitter, and he says, I don't know, it came across my timeline that – you know, you got married in, in Paris. So he says he doesn't know who I am at the time. But all he's all he sees is it's on the timeline and there's me and my wife at the Eiffel Tower. And he said that he re- replied to me, congratulations or something like that. So um, and that day I probably had like a gazillion people that were tweeting a message. So then he says, so later on that day. He says he's on Twitter and he said he notices me at the game <laughs> and he and he saw me at the game. Uh, I, and I think before the game, I must have been like filming. Um, I had my camera. I was filming on the baseline. And so 
he's like, I, I, I saw you. And he said he just basically thought it was very interesting that I got married and I was in Paris. So I had no clue that Victor Wimbayama's parents knew who I was. So when I met them after the game, I, I, that was like a, a moment that I, I can't wait to tell my wife about it. But she's asleep right now because it is two o'clock. <laughs> it's past two o'clock in Dallas. All right. So anyway, uh, that was just a little side note. But after the game, I was able to talk to a few scouts and, and, and different people uh, and just kind of listen to the chatter in the background. Everybody was was impressed. There are people that were saying that they were only planning to be at the game today and leave out tomorrow or that are now talking about they have to stay for Thursday's game. I don't think anybody, at least from my knowledge, did not tell me that their decision was, was swayed. But some of the comparisons, I mean, I heard Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I heard Victor is like a combination of, of like... Rudy Gobert and Bo Bo, Rudy Gobert and Kevin Durant. I mean, I've heard Scoot was like a a better version of Ja Morant, which is pretty good. Uh, I've heard, you know, a, a, a better shooting Derrick Rose. I mean, everybody was just amazed and, and at all and just wowed by by this particular performance. I know I probably said that like thirteen times this episode. One of the things that I, I did learn was that that Wimbayama has has decided not to uh, I mean his team they're not having him lift weights and they're basically going to let his body develop and grow naturally and 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 not only just naturally when he does lift it has to be someone that is very very specific to working with him and so one of the examples was his wingspan is eight feet and he you just can't have him go bench press because it's not made for somebody whose arms are this long to bench press and the wrong bench press could he can end up hurting himself so they have spent a lot of money and time investing in his body and taking a very very long-term approach um, I heard that he's working on his his jumping and, and landing to to avoid different injuries. I, I read an article in Slam where he's worked with um, I want to call him Holger, but Dirk's the, the guy that is like the mastermind behind Dirk Nowitzki. Had him work with him and just doing all the different weird drills. If I mean you can look it up about some of the weird techniques and drills that Dirk used to I mean, to be Dirk and, and to have such longevity. So I thought that was very interesting that, I mean, it's not shocking, but I just thought it was very interesting that there's such a great, specific and detailed long-term approach for for Victor Wimbayama. And then um, I was able to to go into like the press conference and listen to, to the interview. One of the things that really caught my attention was it's an exhibition game. And of course, I know that you know, if you're a competitor, you want to win. But I was really impressed with his competitive fire. Like, he was visibly upset, I mean, 20, 30 minutes after the game because he wanted to win that bad. And I think that's very important if you're going to take a guy, number one or number two, is you want to take an alpha. You want to take a guy that is a alpha dog, a guy that that wants to compete. Because even if he had the same skill set and talent that he has, I think he could be an all-star, all-NBA type player. But there's that extra little bit of fire and competitive 
nature that separates the good from the great. Giannis has it. I mean, you, you've heard the stories about Jordan having it, Kobe having these guys that just want to win. And Giannis has that. So I will, I'm sorry, not Giannis, but Victor has that based off of everything that I heard prior to today's performance. So um, that is something that really stood out to me. And as far as like Scoot, there are some people that feel as if, despite Wimbayama's greatness, that Scoot could be the number one pick simply because he may have more impact on the game because he has the ball in his hands more. So I think it's going to be an acquired taste in a sense. I mean, I, I do feel like the media is going to say Wimbayama as a generational talent. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if NBA scouts may not be as unanimous as far as having having uh, Wimbenyama as the number one pick. Another thing that, that I heard just a little bit of chatter about is at this point, people were wondering, what do these two guys have to prove the rest of this season? I mean, they put up this great performance in front of NBA scouts. They are solidified number one and number two in the draft, depending on the order. I mean, depending on which order you have it. I can't see anybody's falling past two. Could they realistically decide to shut it down the rest of the season? Because it won't have any impact on their draft stock. And, I mean, their stock is high enough that no matter how great they play, they're still going to be, you know, penciled in at one or two. And even if they play bad, it's going to be hard for anybody to pass them. And I don't think that we're going to see guys get shut down. But I did hear, you know, discussions or, or someone asked me the question, like, what is the over under on the date that Wimbayama gets shut down because he has nothing to prove? Is it January 1st, January 12th? I mean, is he going to do like LaMelo Ball? If you remember LaMelo, um, I, I want to say he probably played like 12 games before he um, – I mean, it, COVID played a role in it, but before he was done. And that's something that, on one hand, if I didn't know, like, the, the team around Wimbayama, as far as, like, his agents, it would be something that I would think is a real possibility. But I think that he could end up playing the whole season simply because he wants to play. He wants to get better. But how weird would it be if both guys decide to shut it down because – it really doesn't have any impact on their draft stock if they don't play another game tonight, the rest of the season because they were that good. Well, that wraps it up. I know it's kind of rambling a little bit. Usually I kind of have a little bit of notes, and but today this is just all freestyling off the top of the dome because I'm just so excited about this game. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for checking out the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast and making it your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, check out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast with Josh Lloyd. It is the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It is free and it is available wherever you get your podcast. I am Rafael Barlow. Thank you for spending your morning listening to me. I will have another episode sometime later on this week. But when I'm not here, check out the rest of the Locked On NBA Big Board crew. But that is it for me, and I am out.